Welcome back to uh, Hammer Down Show. 1017thehammer, 1017thehammer.com. And right on over to our Hammerhead hotline we go. Brian Newbert, goldandblack.com is on with us. Brian, always a pleasure to catch up with you. Um, a rough weekend, I know, for the fans. Um, but, you know, you said something last time we had you on. Um, these are, you know, coaches are, are people, you know, players are kids. You didn't have to gamble that money on the game. Uh, remember that everybody's uh, human, but it's just, it's a tough pill to swallow all around, man. Um, in, in the aftermath uh, of that loss to St. Peter's, I mean, uh, what was it like talking with uh, with players and coaches? Uh, different because the open locker room doesn't exist anymore or didn't exist this year in the NCAA tournament. That's typically where you kind of see the human side of these things. Um, so we didn't we had a very different perspective to the end of the game, but, you know, to be honest with you, I, I, and I probably shouldn't say this publicly, but I, from the players, I, I think this has been a really exhausting season, you know, and I think this season hasn't, my personal sense, I could be wrong, was this season wasn't as much fun as it probably should be for young people playing college basketball. I think a lot went into that. I think, you know, the, the burden of expectation, the, um, the Armageddon that came with every loss, you know, um, and I don't want to say relief, but obviously disappointment. But when, you know, I, I think it was a long season for a lot of people and, uh, obviously a very disappointing end. I mean, even if this was an exhausting season for Purdue, they wanted to do a lot more than they did. Um, I think, you know, people probably understand people within the program probably understand that, this team was so close to so much and you know contrary to the way people might think sometimes is the players and coaches want it even more than fans do um it's not like they're not you know trying it's not like they're not disappointed when stuff goes sideways the way some things went sideways for purdue this season i mean at the end of the day you won 29 games here you were a better team than you were last year with you know, two sophomores basically as your two best players, and you're sitting here looking at this as a, a disappointing season. I mean, that that's that's something that's you know got to be really hard to swallow. But I think this was, um, you know, something that's going to take time for them to process a little bit. But in the meantime, I think you know uh, these guys have kind of earned a deep breath um, and a little bit of an escape from it all for for a little bit. Talk with Brian Newbert here on our uh, Hammerhead Hotline. Uh, I mean, it's it's hard. You you go back, you look at the box score. I, I talk to a lot of fans, like in the airport and stuff. People in the sports book. Where where do they hang? You know, where do they place the blame on, on the loss to? Is it you know, players, coaches? I, I heard a lot of talk about you know the coaches and stuff. But Brian, all these games they lost this year have a couple of things in common. They score under 70 points, and they turn the ball over, you know, basically 12 or more times in each one of those losses. Uh, to, to me, it's uh, it's not rocket science. Uh, they had to do two things there, and uh, they failed to do it, and uh, that's why the, the, they didn't get another game on Sunday. Yeah, but those two things are connected. Those aren't two different things. If Purdue doesn't turn the ball over as much as Purdue turned the ball over, it would have scored more points and the opponent would have scored fewer points. And, you know, consequently you would have won those games. You know, anybody who was, you know, shocked, you know, by the outcome or how it went down against St. Peter's, 
you know, I, I don't know how close they were watching all season because what you saw against St. Peter's was what you saw from pretty well season long when they struggled. They turned the ball over too much. They didn't value possessions. They weren't good enough defensively, albeit they were better the last six weeks of the season. They didn't defend at a level where you could make up for that kind of thing. It really, really exposed you to situations where if you weren't peak efficiency on the interior where all of your matchup advantage or so many of your matchup advantages wide or, well, from three-point range, you were in big trouble. And it, it was, it was, it was a, it was, an ominous, shall we say, sign that in a championship situation in the Big Ten tournament against Iowa, after turnovers had cost Purdue so much, turnovers had cost Purdue a Big Ten regular season title, they had cost Purdue, they were about to cost Purdue a Big Ten tournament title, that that was still happening that late in the season at Michigan State against Iowa in the Big Ten tournament title game. That was a really ominous sign headed into the NCAA tournament and a reminder that, you know, Purdue's demons could come out at any time and, and, and end their season in any situation. And that is, that is precisely what happened because those 15 turnovers were the difference in the game. Um, and it, there is no second difference in the game because if over, if you turn the ball over seven or eight times, you know, your struggles to make threes after halftime don't matter all that much. You know, Jaden Ivey not playing well in what will be his last game at Purdue doesn't matter as much. Um, now, obviously, had there been less turnovers, Jaden Ivey would have played better because that was part of his body of work in that game. But you just – this team just never got down the little things in a consistent manner, taking care of the basketball, defending, loose balls, things like that. Had this team been a little more Purdue-like, I know that that sounds really weird to say, Um that's the difference between 29 wins and, you know, 33, 34, 35, and a bunch of championships to show for it. All right, let's take a look at the future here. Uh, as they're going to lose a, a few guys, obviously, plus Jaden Ivey, uh, we get the news that Isaiah uh, is going to hit the, uh, the portal. Uh, you know, Sasha says he's not coming back. What does the future of this team look like? Uh, who becomes that leader uh, next year as well? That's a good question. Um, I think I think your first question is whether or not Zach Eady comes back. I'm, I'm, I'd be very surprised if he left, but you never know. Uh, he's, he's, I'm sure he's going to go through the NBA process. He's going to go to those workouts. He'll do some things that will impress some people. That being said, there's not a whole lot of first-round momentum there at the moment, um, and he, I think a lot would have to change for that to be the case. It just wouldn't seem to make a lot of sense at this point in time for him to go now as opposed to coming back to Purdue, you know, being, you know, arguably the, the preseason player of the year in the Big Ten, maybe one of the uh, faces of college basketball next season when you take into account how how unique a player he is. Uh, I think that that's where things start. I think he's your he's your foundation next year, provided he comes back, assuming he comes back. But other than that, you need a bunch of guys to make some pretty big strides here to go from being, you know, bit players, so to speak, on a really good team to being that next wave of really good players, the Caleb First, the Ethan Mortons. Brandon Newman has 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 to rebound from obviously a very uh, strange season for him. Um, he has a golden opportunity in front of him. 
um, because he can slot right into one of these primary scoring roles that are, are being vacated. So the possibility exists that if he's ready for it and he's made the necessary changes to his game or whatever it was that held him back this year, uh, and I don't know if it was any one thing, he could go from being a guy who didn't play most of the season, most of the Big Ten season, to being a guy who you know, is a double-digit scorer for Purdue next season because he's now suddenly the guy that you run those plays for to get open shots. And if he makes the right decisions and, and, and he he masters the playbook, all of that stuff, and he plays the way Matt Painter needs him playing offensively, I think that you could see a very different player next year provided he sticks it out, which at this moment I would anticipate he does so. But you never know. I mean, it is the portal era. It is it is a very strange time in college basketball, and it will affect everyone. Um, you have Mason Gillis back, who I think is is a winning player uh, for sure. Uh, I think he's a big part of your future. you got two guys coming out of red shirt, and Trey Kaufman Rand and Brian Waddell, albeit Waddell coming off an ACL injury. You have a pretty solid uh, freshman class. I don't know if there's any Jaden Ivies in that freshman class. I don't know if there's any Zach Eadies in that freshman class, but when Jaden Ivey and Zach Eady were coming to Purdue, I, I, I didn't anticipate those guys being short-term pros either. Um, so you never know. Uh, you don't want to put a limit on, on what freshmen are capable of. That being said, at this point in time, I think that's more kind of like a complimentary class to put around your next really good players. Um, I think Purdue has to find guards uh, on the transfer wire. I think they need somebody in their backcourt who can score. I think they need somebody who can handle the ball. Uh, they need somebody preferably who can shoot because all of a sudden your shooting has taken a big um, punch to the gut here, losing Sasha Stefanovic, losing Eric Hunter, the way he shot the ball at the end of the season, losing Isaiah Thompson, and then losing what Jaden Ivey and Travion Williams meant to the types of shots Mason Gillis and Ethan Morton got this year. Uh, Purdue has to maintain being a good shooting team while also getting back to what's always been important for Purdue basketball. You've got to take care of the ball. You have to defend. You have to get loose balls, stuff like that. That's where this team was very different from a Purdue, from a typical Purdue team. And people who perceive Purdue as traditional Purdue all year long, I don't know how close they were watching. Um, Purdue's got to get back to you know some more Purdue-like values next year because they're not going to have the same talent level as they did this year. How does Matt Painter go about doing that? I mean, obviously, like I, I don't want to lay that at the feet, of, you know, of current leaders or, or whatnot. But when you have the guys that are leaving, you know, guys that are leaders on that team, like Trey, like you know, Jaden Ivey, uh, there's that vacuum. That void's got to be filled by somebody. There I, I, does Matt Painter encourage certain players to kind of step up into those roles? Does somebody naturally take that over and help? You know, kind of change that for them. What has to happen during the off season? You think? Yeah, I think Purdue could have had better leadership this year. I don't know who that guy was. I mean, you know, from a – there's different kinds of leadership. I mean, there's leadership behind the scenes, guys just doing the right thing and setting a good example, and then there's, like, the type of leadership fancy, the guys who are who are, uh, who are are barking out instructions on the floor and essentially acting as that coach on the floor. I don't know if Purdue had as much overt leadership this year. Um as it could have stood to. Uh, I think that, you know, when your best players are younger guys, sometimes that's hard. When, when your older guys are not exactly wired that way, that that can be hard also. Uh, I, you know, I, I think there were some, some tone set from um, some experienced guys that weren't always ideal uh, on this team. But I think, you know, Purdue needs 
uh, the, that kind of leadership to develop, and they're in a very different spot here now. They need somebody to to emerge that way. And when you look at personality types on this team coming back, I think Ethan Morton's got it in him. I think Mason Gillis has it in him. I think he's going to be a freshman, but I, I, I don't think you put a limit on what you what anybody can contribute to your program. I think Braden Smith has it in him. I mean, he's only going to be a freshman. Um, but I think he has that type of personality type. That said, you don't expect a kid to walk in the door right away and take command of everything. Um, but I think they've got some personality types on this team who are are wired okay to do it. I think Trey Kaufman Wren and, and Caleb First are guys who can, you know, be good lead by example guys and good solid people and, you know, stuff like that and be a, an important part of your culture. But I think it has to start with the coaches, obviously. I, you know, you know, Matt Painter didn't just stop coaching defense. He didn't just stop saying, hey, guys, just go out there and turn the ball over a bunch of times. It's, it's okay. We'll make up for it. You know, all the things he's always preached, he continued to, you know, coach all year long. It's just if, if he had one failing with this team this year um, that people would want to blame him for, it, it's that his basketball sensibilities never really – stuck with this team and I don't know why I think that you know when you have when your best player is young and you have to invest in that player the way Purdue had to invest in Jaden Ivey I think that you're along for the ride on his ups and downs and you know there were ups and downs Uh, there were a lot more ups than there were downs but there were downs nonetheless when you have supremely talented players you know um Sometimes that's just kind of the cost of doing business. But also, I, I, I think there were some some inconsistencies across the board, too. Travion Williams could have set a better tone from a defensive perspective every single time out. You know, stuff like that. Eric Hunter didn't play very well the first half of the season uh, before things kind of clicked for him. Um, you know, obviously in the postseason, Stefanovic didn't shoot great up until the first half of that St. Peter's game, that's not an effort. That's not a want-to thing. That's just a simple basketball thing. But there was, uh, you know, some things that could have been in place with this team that could have made a huge difference. And getting back to some of those very basic things, and again, I can't emphasize enough that we are talking about a team here that won 29 games. So Mm -hmm. it's not like we're talking about Northwestern basketball here. and You know, this sort of hopeless, sort of rudderless ship. Um, but you know, the fact that you came up a game short of a big 10 regular season title, you came up a game short of a big 10 tournament title and under a very different set of circumstances, you had a a credible shot to go to a final four. I I know that's hard to say when you were two games away from it, as it turned out, but I think we can all agree this team had that potential. It just never closed that gap between its potential and what it needed to do to realize that potential and be a truly elite and complete team. That rhymes. That was really clever of me, wasn't it? <laughs> Jackie Child there. Put it put it on the, put it on a t-shirt there. Brian, Brian Newbert. Again, uh, you got to list them on the, the Golden Black Radio. Um, I believe there's some rhyming occasionally on there as well. Uh, but uh, he does a great job on that. Uh, what are you going to be doing all summer? You're, you're just basically hopping in and out of gyms all summer watching more hoops and stuff, right? Yeah, right now I'm just trying to get out of this dog food aisle in Meyer. But uh, <laughs> yeah, no, I'll, uh, I'll 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 do a bunch of off season stuff, kind of looking ahead, kind of looking back. I've already started doing that, but I'll I'll uh, 
I'll cover recruiting, uh, obviously, like I always do this summer. It's tough because Purdue doesn't have, you know, many scholarships to offer, and they have to, you know, kind of first and foremost, they have to, they have to add to next season's roster um, this spring, you know, through the portal. I can tell you, covering the transfer portal sucks, but um, that's my problem, not yours. Um, but Purdue has to go get somebody who can make them better next year. I mean, it, it, it's a critical need this year. You have. Right now, the only you know point guard category player on Purdue's roster is uh, Braden Smith, and he's a freshman. <laughs> and you you have to get somebody who can handle the ball. You have to get somebody who can get you an offense. You have to get somebody who can guard the one. That's that's your starting point from a defensive perspective. You got to find somebody who can score. Um, there's just a lot Purdue needs next year. So looking ahead to 2023 and all that stuff. That, that has to take a backseat to what Purdue is recruiting right this second. Ryan Newbert, goldenblack.com. Tell you what, does a tremendous job with all this stuff. Make sure you check out the site. We have plenty of great free stuff. The subscription's also great as well. Uh, I encourage you to take a look at it. Brian, always a pleasure, my friend. Get out of the dog food aisle, all right? <laughs> $24.99 for a bag of pedigree big dog food. <laughs> Sounds like dinner to me. You got it all set. Good luck with that, all right, buddy? I don't have a dog, but that sounds pretty good. <laughs> Take care, bud. <laughs> oh, always great. Stay tuned. Come back here. We'll discuss uh, more of that St. Peter's loss and more coming up next year on the Hammerdown Show on 1017 The Hammer and 1017.